Hello and happy new year and welcome to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. If you've listened before, then you would know that my name is Stuart Butler. I'm one of your co-hosts today, joined with Pete DeMeo. Hey, everybody. And Philip Fariska. Hey, everyone. And Misha Bokikio. Hello. Happy to be back. Yeah, it's been a while. I've kind of forgotten how to podcast. I'll be honest. Uh-oh. Yeah. You're in for a treat, everyone. Yeah, this is going to be a wild ride, so buckle up. We have lots to get through today. We were originally going to record this right before Christmas. Shenanigans ensued that prevented us from recording. So now we're going to do it for a New Year's episode. And what we did is we reached out to a bunch of folks in the industry that we respect and value their opinion. And we said to them, if you could have one wish for Christmas slash the New Year related to hotel marketing, what would it be? And some of them were smart asses, as we would expect with their answers. We'll read some of those out. Some of them are very thoughtful and deep, and uh, maybe one or two of them we completely disagree with. Maybe. Spoilers. I don't know. We'll see. But we're going to go through some of those. So this proves to you that we actually do have listeners to this show, because these folks all listen to the show, and um, they're real, actual people with faces and bodies and such. Any comments on that? You're all looking at me. like I agree. Okay. But after that, we've also got reviews. <laughs> Two whole reviews. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. And we got a question that we owed someone for like six months. Yeah. We're like. still wearing the cone of shame, but I'm happy to say that we will be allowed to remove it today. Awesome. So without further ado, let's jump into the newsies. All right. I'll start you off. Um, so it was about a month ago, but Google... Google adds the price tracking features to Flight Search, Hotel Search, and Google Trips. Um, basically, what, what this is doing is similar to Hopper, where they're telling you when is the best time to book your hotel. So they're kind of taking over that realm, too. Thanks, Google. Yeah, this is we talked about Hopper a few weeks ago on the show, and you know, it was kind of exciting that someone's really taken on this, but at the time it's like you know hopper doesn't really have the, the data that they would need to make this really successful guess who does have that data well it's google that would be google so and they have the machine learning to do it too so they're they're probably going to be top dog at this i'd imagine yeah and i feel like this about you know the same way i did when we talked about it with hopper is if you're a good rate manager and you have a, a really strong rate strategy you're going to like this. This is going to help you educate people that your rates go up as inventory decreases. You're going to get out ahead of the game. You're going to have lower rates for the soft periods way out ahead of time. And it's going to teach people to book early. And if you're a bad rate manager, this is terrible news because you're going to end up ditching your rates more and more and people are going to get trained to do that. And it's it's going to be ugly. This so. is interesting to me because I've used the flight portion of this before to monitor flights, but I'm just thinking about it from the difference between booking a hotel and booking a flight. When I book a flight, granted Myrtle Beach is a little bit limited, but I'm pretty limited in my options as far as flying with Delta, flying with American. Like there's four airlines. When you're looking at a hotel, there's so many options and it really to me is more dependent on the price and the location and like there's a lot of things in there. So I'm just interested to see, you know, are people actually going to use this? Are they going to find it valuable? Clearly, Google feels that it will be because they've implemented it. It's worked well for flights. So I'm just curious to see how it's going to work out for them. Oh, I plan on using it for sure. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be trying it. And 
I'm someone that tends to wait till the last minute to book hotels in general, but this this may shift that behavior. You've been know. trained. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, their track record's great. I mean, we know that the Google Flights works very well. I just booked a flight to El Paso, and this saved me 100 bucks on that because I put in, I had it tracking it, and I got an alert that the price had dropped 100 bucks, and I booked it and saved. So yeah. thanks, Google. Thanks, Google. Yeah, and then you probably made them money in doing so because you booked through Google Flights and they got their commission or cost. That's true. It was, a, so it was a break even. I, I saved a hundred bucks. Delta got you don't burned. care. You don't care yeah. about Google. I don't care about nothing. Wow. <laughs> Pete over here. Wow, grumpy. This is New Year's resolution yeah. to be more grumpy than yes, normal. to be more grumpy. You're Chipper Pete though. How can you be grumpy? That's, That's true. Like a whole new persona for you. I'm changing it up in 2018. New year, new Pete. That's right. Yeah, I'm not saying. I'm not sure I like the change, Pete. Pessimist go, Pete. Oh, yeah. go to go to Chipper. Go back Chipper to Chipper. Chipper British yeah. Pete. Chipper British Pete is my favorite of all the Petes. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, actually, speaking of Chipper things in the British land, that brings us to our second news item, and I really like this one. I don't know if you I guys like have. I like this one too. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have read the Vice article, where. A guy, basically, well, the name of the headline, the article is, I made my shed the top-rated restaurant on TripAdvisor. The story goes, this guy who had a shed in his backyard picked up a $10 burner phone, registered his shed in his backyard as a restaurant, and then went on to manipulate the TripAdvisor algorithm to get that shed to be the number one restaurant in London. It's such a good <laughs> the, story. The number one restaurant in London. It's not like he had a small little town. This is a, a big place. Right. If, if you have never, ever look, clicked on any of the news links that we've ever posted for this, this is the one to click on. Because reading through it where he's got photos of the people that it's came. So like there's a picture literally of a plate with food on it and his foot, his, his oh, bare foot part. is on the plate. Like he was so ridiculous in, in what he was trying to prove. Well, and they opened for like a night. They had yeah. they actually had to have people in at one point. Right. So they like threw together the actual restaurant experience. And what was mm-hmm. one of the quotes? It was like, we wanted to give the people the experience of eating pudding out of a mug or something. Yeah, so we the, served yeah. pudding in a mug. Yeah, the authentic experience <laughs> of eating pudding out of a mug by serving pudding in a mug. I so, wonder how many people showed up there like dressed to the nines, ready to eat a fancy Well, they had meal. a book ahead. And there was I know there was like an American couple that were on vacation and a couple of others. And they he had some of his friends there for like ambiance and like, oh and just, they made like ramen and like just ridiculous stuff yes. like and, and everyone uh, you know they didn't pay for their meal when they got there because it kind of caught the guy a little bit by surprise you know his plan was just to put it out there have the reviews and see what happens but what he found is when you're the very top restaurant in london on TripAdvisor, you're very exclusive that it's only you know reservation only People you are going beat to people seek away. you out. I mean, his phone was blowing up with people asking for reservations. And some of the comments were, I know you're very busy. Do you have reservations six months from now? So yeah. they, everyone was assuming this is a Not. phenomenal restaurant. And it was all just a... It was called he The Shed, really, right? And it, it was, was called it, The Shed. His shed. It he was needs so to good. piggyback off that and turn it into a fine well, This, this guy shed. now could be a speaker, right? He could, he could oh, go... Yeah from conference to conference giving this story and and make a ton of money doing it but but i think if we if we pull back a little bit and really talk about the the ramifications of this and the points are made up and nothing matters everything's <laughs> no. made up and the points don't matter well if you look at any review system and any ranking system it's 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 always going to be algorithmic right there's always going to be opportunities to gain the system what he did in this case was he had all of his friends 
from different locations leaving multiple five-star reviews on a frequent basis, right? So he gamed the system to the truest sense of the word. And because TripAdvisor doesn't really, I mean, it's going to look for fraud in certain ways, but this just didn't show up on its radar, right? So until it did, until they realized, and then it got shut mm -hmm. down. Well, so even the algorithm is what's catching the fraud. So as long as you're doing it somewhat organically, like yeah, he right, did through his right. friends and... It, yeah, it but it took a, it took a lot of work. It wasn't like he easily did it, right? No. It, he he he. This had was a it. long con. For it sure. was a long con. It took him several months. It it requ required a lot of people's involvement in a lot of effort from him, right? So to do it, and then when it was eventually discovered, it it changed. It got shut down, right? So I don't think I think some people read this article and said, "Well, this is proof that TripAdvisor is a bunch of BS, and we shouldn't trust it." That, that's nonsense, right? You've got to play the game because consumers believe in the reviews they're reading. It's right? just proof that somebody out there is willing to spend the time to beat the system. Right. Well, and I think that was one of the points in the article as well, is if someone is actively going out there to create an entirely fake place, that is easy to game the system. It's not easy if you are an actual location that has... Right. That's why the, the algorithm didn't pick it up because if you're a real place that's putting fake reviews, they're going to see the real reviews in conjunction with the fake mm -hmm. ones and it's going to de be detected. But you absolutely should not be putting out fake reviews. You are going to get caught at some point and when you do, the penalties are severe, right? There's, there's a direct correlation between your rank on TripAdvisor and the amount of ADR you can charge, the amount of revenue you're going to generate from that kind of channel. So don't go out and fake reviews, but use the tools because you know what when you have positive reviews when you give a great experience when people come and stay with you and leave more reviews you're going to show up to more people you're going to get more bookings you're going to have more revenue and and you're going to be successful so use the tool the way it's intended with the spirit but go read this article about yeah. the shed because it's really 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 funny and you can get that fueltravel.com slash podcast click on episode 73 and we'll have a link right there in the newsies at the bottom of the article in the show notes it was really funny. And I want pudding out of a mug now. How about you guys? Sure. I heard it's Happy authentic. Hour? Yeah. It is authentic. And you know, and just to clarify, pudding in England is a generic term for dessert. Like it doesn't Why is doesn't... everything backwards? And I know it's backwards because like we rebelled against your people and made things backwards, but like a biscuit's a cookie, a cookie's a tartlet, a tartlet's pudding. Like I can't I don't know. <laughs> can't well, we we talked about that internally is renaming the term a web cookie or an internet yes, cookie. to a web yeah. biscuit. To a biscuit. biscuit. Yeah. So you have Do to you make accept sure you... these biscuits? I don't know. To me, like a cookie versus biscuit, a cookie is more enticing. I'm more likely to accept the cookie. Yeah, because a biscuit's yeah, more Yeah, but filling. for hey, our UK visitors, go maybe try we a milk chocolate hobnob like... and tell me biscuits aren't delicious. You can get them at World Market. You heard it here first. Milk you know what else you can get at World Market? Beer. I don't Spotted know. dick sponge. Yeah, it's delicious. You put custard, creamy custard all over the They might need to rebrand. No, dude. Don't be filthy. You just silly Americans. What? It's one of the best desserts ever. You called it that. You should bring some in. I, okay, I'll do that. Okay. You gotta have it warm though, because you know one wants. You know a, what? We should we should dial dip. up your mum and have her send some. <laughs> Maybe next time. Maybe. All right, but hey, so Phil, this is not on the newsies, but related to this, so TripAdvisor, and you you deal with that TripAdvisor rep. So TripAdvisor, not only can you game the system according to the guy that created the shared, but TripAdvisor now is making you pay to be at the top of TripAdvisor. Oh, the sponsored uh, sponsored listing there. Yeah. yeah, that was a little strange. Um, we, uh, we were taking a look at that not too long ago, Pete and I, and it seems that even, even 
properties that have terrible rankings can pay to be sponsored and shown at the top, and then suddenly their ranking doesn't show anymore. Yeah. So essentially that very first spot when you search for a destination on TripAdvisor now is a paid position or can be a paid position. The assumption is that a consumer is going to go there and see that someone's at the top of the listing and assume it's the best property. But you could be 200th in your in your category and you can pay to be at the top there. It's crazy. Yeah, now you're number one and someone you'll pay for that click for someone to land on your business page and then you get to compete with the OTAs there and pay yeah, again. It's, it's a crazy investment because, yeah, like you said, when you when the consumer clicks, they don't go to your website. They go to your profile page on TripAdvisor, which you're right. They're still exposed to OTAs in TripConnect and Instant Booking if you're mm-hmm. not bidding on there. So even more reason you need to be in TripConnect and Instant Booking yeah. if you're not. And we're testing this on a couple properties to see kind of how it's going to actually shake out in terms of a return on ad spend. One thing that you really have to consider is if you are a poorly ranked property, this is not going to help you. However, if you are a... You think? Well, no. I mean, I, I think it, it will get you clicks, but people are going to look at your property, read your reviews, and see that you suck, and they, they're not going to book. Assuming I, to, people To read. me, where I think it really helps is you're in a competitive destination. You are a four-and-a-half-dot property, but you can't break that first page. This helps you get to the top and hopefully be able to get that converted to a direct booking. Now, I think this... It, I don't want to say people would think you suck because if you rank low, what if you're brand new? If you're brand new, this is a phenomenal for branding because no one knows who you are. You have four reviews because mm-hmm. you just opened. This could be great for you. It at least get you some brand awareness and exposure. Yeah, it's for, like, for the people who suck, who are three-dot properties. Nothing you do in terms of marketing is going to help. You need to fix your reviews. And then why you're getting those. Yeah. Yeah. Marketing shines a light on you. You may not want to shine. Your your positives and your negatives. Marketing is going to amplify who you are and people are going to realize that. So if you're terrible at service, you don't want to be involved in this at all. It's going to backfire. You can spend a lot of money sending traffic to other competitors. Yeah, we're testing this. We'll keep you guys updated on how it goes. And Pete has a full blog article on the fuel site if you would like more information. We'll link to that from the show notes as well. Check it out. But but click on the shed article first because it's way more humorous than Pete's blog. Last newsy? No offense. Yeah, let's do another newsy. (laughs) So our last article today I found on Travolution.com. And this piqued my interest because we... We, as in Stuart and I, recently did a presentation for our local HSMAI chapter. We've done a webinar on this topic. We have a blog on it. It's something that we focused on a lot recently. The title is Urgency Marketing Tactics in Travel Come Under Scrutiny of Consumer Watchdog. So the article itself talks about how this website, which, question mark, I guess it makes it which, um, they are in the UK. Which? (laughs) Which? Which travel magazine? Um, they are in the UK and they have recently called out a few websites and reported them for questionable practices. It goes on to highlight two sites, lastminute.com and expedia.com. They were picked out for promoting flash sale deals that appeared to promise more than they actually delivered. One example that they provided was that on Expedia, they had a flash sale that featured a countdown clock and a call out 
for book now or miss out, which I know we're all pretty familiar with Expedia and booking.com and how they have all these different calls to actions and these marketing psychology tactics to nudge you through the conversion funnel. And what they found is that you weren't actually always getting the best deal like they led you to believe. So they did a lot of research and pulling different dates, pulling different rates and found out that it wasn't actually matching the best deal or the best rate. This intrigued me because, again, we've done some content on how to use marketing psychology throughout your booking process to help nudge people. I think what this brings up is a really interesting conversation about ethics and whether you're persuading people or manipulating them through your conversion funnel. Yeah, and it's not just limited to those two. I mean, we, we called it out in our presentation. Booking.com is notorious for this. Where if you, and we live in Model Beach, so I always use that as an example, but I've searched for the weekends in Model Beach in December. And if I'm looking two weekends out every time, it says, you better hurry and book because this destination, and it varies between, it was between 92 and 95% booked every time I did it. And I did it four weeks in a row, knowing that the destination two, three weeks out was not that, that much booked. If it was, great, right? Everyone would be super happy. This is the off season, but booking.com is manipulating people, creating this unrealistic sense of urgency because it benefits them. Well, and we've seen trip it. Advisors, trip advisor does trip it with the rooms, with the rooms right? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> do you want to explain that? Yeah. So if you go to, this is fun to do. Go to TripAdvisor, look mm. for a property. Fun. Eh, if you're fun, if you're we, in hotel we market. We find it fun. <laughs> anyway, you go to TripAdvisor and you look for a property and you're searching for, say, one room at a certain hotel, you'll see a little bar more often than not above the profile photo of the property saying, only one room left, hurry, book now. And you change your search to two rooms, and all of a sudden, magically, only two rooms left, book now. So they're, all they're doing is just showing you whatever you want to see to get you to book. Yeah, it, you know, there's a fine balance, right? You want to use behavioral psychology, behavioral economics to nudge people like Misha said. You don't want to frustrate your customers. These are your guests. And we always go back to, we are hoteliers. We are, you know, taking care of our guests. We're innkeepers. You don't want to try to scam somebody to stay at your property. If you already have a great rate, if you're already beating the OTAs, hang your hat on that. Come up with real money-saving offers or better yet, added value before you go and just try to manipulate. Yeah, exactly. The, Don't the, let... The, go ahead, sorry. No, go ahead. Don't let this dissuade you from using any type of countdown ad as long as you're providing a legitimate sale. We've seen right. phenomenal mm-hmm. results, especially in, lately for me with PPC, of using countdown ads on great sales. And our clients are providing awesome rates. They want to fill the rooms. And we're using ads that say, oh, hurry, you know, only three days left in this sale. There's legitimate three days left in that sale, and it's probably the best prices they're going to see of the season. So I have no problem right. doing yeah, this, but I, just I be agree. honest. Yeah, I think it's about honesty, right? It's about integrity. It's about ethics. It's about saying, here's information that I have that you don't, but may influence your mm-hmm. decision. If you are legitimately down to one room left, telling people you only have one room left, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I would strongly encourage it because the OTAs are using these tactics against you, and you are going to lose the the fight every time if they're using these this, all these hundreds of different psychology tactics and you're not using any of them. So okay. you've got to use it. You've got to play the game, but do it in a way that's honest. Here's a related story. So recently I've been shopping for things because I'm 28 and I own like nothing. So I was shopping online for like plateware 
And I was on Belk because I happened to have a Belk card. I know I'm aging myself. Um, so I was on Belk and I was looking at their different plateware sets and all this my stuff. Eyes. And I saw one set and it was like $185, but it was on sale for $80. i am like, oh, that's a pretty good price. Like, let me check, you know. So I was looking at it. I liked the way it looked. I liked the color. And then I was like, let me just Google this. So I like copied and pasted the name of it and looked it up. And it was on like four other sites for $60 total. So I'm like, okay. So now I'm questioning every other thing on this Belk website because they just positioned their pricing to make it look like a great deal. I mean, you always say anchoring is such a phenomenal, powerful tool, (sighs) right? I'm so just, I I know too much about my job to trust anybody. (laughs) But here's the message for all marketers even beyond hotel. We've already screwed up email marketing. Please, please leave countdown timers alone yeah. and use them when they're appropriate. Like and people not are going to check this stuff. I know. You know. So don't ruin all of our marketing tools. So, so if I have a, a special offer that's running from now until the end of January and I have a countdown timer for three days and at the end of three days it resets to another three days. No. Are you saying that's wrong? That is wrong. Yes, yes I agree. <laughs> Do your countdown timers properly, people. Shame on you. I don't know who I'm telling off because all of our, our listeners do everything properly. Yeah. So okay. that's our plinth. Is, hey, is that the newsies? Is that a wrap? That is news. the wrap for the newsies. What? Back to you. <laughs> and the weather here is very cold. <laughs> oh yeah, snow apocalypse for people who aren't in Myrtle Beach. Well, Ice I think it's the whole East Coast pretty much is, yeah. is pretty much snowy and cold right now, which is miserable, but. I could never live up north. I was complaining to my parents yesterday about how it was 18 degrees or whatever, and my mom turns around and says, yeah, it's two here. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Sorry, mom. (laughs) For reference, like Pittsburgh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I, you know, I think you you are prepared for it. You have the appropriate clothing and attire for that kind of weather. I still don't have salt. I don't own a coat. Like, I I have, like... Fleece jackets. You know, I don't own a coat. So when it gets this cold, I'm not ready. doing in a coat. But why? why, dude? I bought for a once pea- every five for the years? week out of the year, no. so I don't have to hear no. it from all you people. Buy a no. coat. I, I bought a pea coat last year, and I I wore it for like the third time this week. <laughs> like, yeah. Granted, I didn't leave my house, so I just put on two of my fleece jackets, and I'm good. There you go. Sure. Although I, we have to go to Vail uh, next week, and you I'm, need I'm, a coat. <laughs> I might need to invest in a coat just for that trip. So, anywho, so we should we jump into the actual episode? Let's dive Let's in head first. So let we're just gonna go through it. We're going to call, call people out. We're going to read verbatim how they sent us their responses. Some were on Twitter. Some were on emails. Some were with some were to both. our face. Yeah, some were yeah, with their mouth holes to our face holes. And um, yeah, let's do it. Who wants to go first? I'll go. So the first one comes to us from Jeremy Wu. And he says, I would wish for clarity. The knowledge that our pursuits are the most beneficial to our company. This keeps me up at night. Other than that, Apple and Android pay for hotel mobile booking engine. So there's two different wishes. Two Jer- wishes. Jeremy, you're being greedy. Okay, we asked for one <laughs> wish, Jeremy. But he responded first, so yeah, he did. and and actually, Jeremy responded via Twitter and email. So, so kudos to yeah, Jeremy. One for Twitter, one for email. Yeah. So let's break this down. So the first one he's saying is that he wants clarity and data, right? Which would you know, full disclosure, Jeremy is one of our clients in at Shawnee and whoop whoop. And we are trying to help give him some clarity in some of the data that they, they've gotten. And, and we agree 100% if there was a perfect way to measure 100% of all online and offline data from every source all the time, and including OTAs and all that stuff, it would be great. But for those of you that aren't as sophisticated as Jeremy and his property, 
there is hope. You can track a lot more than most people are. When most people come to us, a lot of times they're not tracking, you know, across domain between their website, their booking engine. They're not tracking every single campaign that they're running. And you can do that. And it's free with Google Analytics today. It's really sophisticated. And you should absolutely be I think the other challenge with data is that assuming your analytics is set up properly, there's just so much of it, which is a good, bad problem to have, right? There's so much data, but it goes back to conversations that we've had on other podcasts. You know, what metrics actually matter? How do we look at this? If you're looking at different attribution methods, I mean, and we have a lot of other great podcasts on that that you should definitely listen to as well, but there's a lot of it. And so knowing what actually matters can be a challenge. Yeah, and, and on to his, to his next point of Apple and Android pay from mobile hotel booking engines. I mean, that would be one of those phenomenal things that I would hope to see, you know, kind of coming down the pipe. It you makes know, more, that booking process so much easier, right? Just well, it does. I mean, anytime you can eliminate someone having to go into their wallet to get a credit card yeah. out, the more seamless you can make that, the better. I mean, it is nice that, you know, on iPhones at least, you can store a credit card and have it auto-populate on any checkout system, that is nice. But having that true integration is, is a good wish. Yeah, and I just looked up. Melissa, we did a podcast episode, and Melissa wrote a really good article about 10 hotel um, metrics, analytics metrics that actually matter. It was episode 22 of the podcast, so if you want to go back and listen to that. If you're having trouble measuring things and you're overwhelmed, like Misha said, this is a really good episode because... It tells you not to pay attention to the vanity metrics, to really look at what, what actually moves the needle and, and matters. So that's episode 22 of the podcast. But to your point about Apple Pay and, and all these different Google wallets, things like that, frictionless, frictionless, frictionless is so important on mobile, especially because of how we use mobile devices. We're, we're in these micro moments, like Google says, of you know, in between the dropping our kids off at soccer and cooking dinner where we have very limited time so the more frictionless you can make it the quicker you can get people through a funnel the more success you're going to have so obviously putting in 16 digits and an expiration and a cvv and your name and your address takes time if you can eliminate all that with a, a streamlined payment process you're going to win a lot more than you lose so we're obviously doing that kind of integration with guest desk our booking engine technology we've already launched the um, paypal integration and we're pretty soon we're going to be launching these other payment integrations because it's it's really important i think so for christmas this year i did just about all my shopping on mobile device or on online how many times do you have to put in your credit card way too many and amazon well i know i did a ton on amazon but i did other places as well because my wife and i share an amazon account Mm-hmm. Which yeah. kind of ruins any chance of buying her presents. Yeah, surprises are overrated. Does she actually look at it though? Yeah, because we everyone gets notifications of hey, something is shipped. What's we'll um, it? Turn the notifications yeah. off. Tell so. them. But anyway, that was that was a big issue for us. Stop, stop trusting your wife. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> no secrets. But what I found is I did not shop on a computer. I didn't buy a single item on a computer. Everything was bought either on my phone. Or just via an app on Amazon. I just happened to just kind of think yeah. about it. I didn't make any com- purchases on a you know, actual You were desktop. shopping at work on your computer. Shut up. I'm trying <laughs> to no, lie. No, that brought me to my <laughs> other problem is when I don't have a credit card saved, most time I was doing shopping in front of the TV and I don't have all the lights on. So I had to get up, find my You don't have your card. credit card number memorized? No. Totally. No. I have really? my, like the Not verification number memorized mesmerized mesmerized, mesmerized. <laughs> mesmerized because every once in a blue moon amazon will be like oh we need you to verify this and i'm like 
God. I, I totally get off Then the I'd couch. have to find my card, yeah. turn on the overhead light so I could see my credit card number, type it in. It's a pain. Just memorize it. It's 16 right. numbers. You know how many times you have to use it in your life? Just you know memorize it. You know how long it took me to, to memorize my social yeah. security? My hard drive's full. I don't even know my number. birthday. I can pull that up when I need it. So. Jeremy, look what you've done. You've yeah. sent us oh, down okay. a rabbit hole. Okay. We ready for All the next right. one? You want me to do this one? All right. Our buddy Conrad O'Connell wrote in, uh, I want to see independent hotels strive to create a better guest experience. Business as usual will have the same results. And I agree with you 100%. Creating a better experience helps us as marketers big time. It also helps you with your reviews and and just overall customer experience. I agree. I tend to, if I'm traveling for work, stay with Marriott properties. I just happen to have an account with them. I can earn some points. Um, not that I've never stayed in an independent hotel, but I happen to stay at Marriott some. And I cannot say a single bad thing about the experiences I've had at Marriott. Can't necessarily say the same for independent hotels. So I completely agree that this is what you're competing against is people tend to stick with brands if they're familiar with it because they know what to expect. They know that they're going to have a consistent experience. So I think that definitely needs to translate more into the independent yeah. market. We've said it before. The moment somebody steps foot on your property as a first-time guest is when you're starting to sell them on being a guest the second time. So if you're not doing it right when they first walk in the door, you will not get them back as a repeat guest. Yeah, we're, we're in the experience business. I mean, it, it, hospitality is about giving people a great experience, a memorable remarkable experience and and it doesn't really have to be four or five star every time right as long as it's consistent and people know what to expect and they get delivered to them what they expect mcdonald's are not the best burgers in the world right but mcdonald's are really successful because when you order a mcdonald's cheeseburger it it's going to taste the same whether you're in france or whether you're in Myrtle beach you know it's consistent. And that's what Marriott's really hung its hat on. They've got all these different brands, especially with Starwood now. I know if I go to a Spring Hill Suites or Ritz-Carlton, I know what to ex- Not that I go to Ritz-Carlton, I can't afford that. <laughs> but I know what to expect. And, and it might not be the most luxurious if I'm at a Spring Hill Suites, but it's consistent and I like For it. For sure. Like, yeah. I like the idea of staying with independent properties. I think it's different. A lot of them have either unique room types or unique amenities or unique on-site dining. But there always is that little bit of, mm, this might not be the best. And I think, you know, over time, people will get over that. But I, I think it is something that yeah. the independents struggle with. But that's why you've got to really focus on your reviews and focus on your customer service and train every single staff member, the, the housekeeping, the maintenance. People have a good experience when they have good, positive interactions with people. You know, you can, you can overlook certain things at the property, right? If you have a great experience when you're interacting with other people. So training your staff on the fact that operations and marketing are one and the same today in that everyone on property should be thinking about that guest. Like Pete said, as a future guest, if they have a good experience, it, it kind of changes how people interact on the staff level you know if, if you tell your your housekeeping staff that they are as important as the front desk reservations in terms of influencing that booker next time that might change their approach to how they interact with you they might not just grunt at you as they walk by they might actually stop look you in the eye like they do at marriott and greet you by name or that's or one thing they do a really good job at is anytime i pass any guests when i've stayed at a marriott property they take the so, time yeah. to look me in the eye ask me a question about my stay well they they have that rule right there's brand standards at marriott where they, they say it depending on the distance like if they're a certain distance from you and i forget the actual numbers because we don't deal with a lot of marriott's but it's like if they're within five feet you have to acknowledge them verbally mm-hmm. if it's 
10 feet, you have to look them in the eye, eye and smile. Like there's different rules, but it's trained to everyone. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take a lot to have brand standards if you're an independent and share that to all your staff members and train them and enforce it. Well, that it, creates a, a unique guest experience as well. And that can make that can give you a differentiator that other hotels in the area may not have. Right. Um, that Again, it helps your marketing when you have that differentiating factor. And if you can do that, through creating a better guest experience, mm-hmm. it's it's all the more beneficial. Yeah, we have a property that they they pride themselves on this, and it's a luxury property. But they 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 have photos of every guest. They go and look them up on social media. They know their name when they check in. They they identify them, and they make sure every staff member knows every person that's going to be on property at any time, and will acknowledge them by name when they see them. And that I mean, that's pretty cool. I mean, you can't really scale that easily if you're a 200 unit property. But if you're a 20 unit property, that's not hard to do. For sure. And just work, being somebody that's worked at a fine dining chain restaurant, this same mentality was applied at scale. So it can be successful. Like me, I that was part of my job to be good at that kind of stuff. Like the little touches, like calling a guest by their name X amount of times at the experience. Like we had all these rules that we had to abide by, but it made the experience. That's what people were paying for in that case. But it doesn't have to be of luxury property to make people have a great time and just take two seconds to acknowledge them. Just right. little things. It's, it is the little things. I mean, I travel with my kids a lot. And, and when we travel, any time that staff members give my kids attention and make them happy, whether it's telling a joke, giving them a sticker, whatever it is, high-fiving them, that improves my experience. You know, So it, it, can, it doesn't have to cost money. It's just about attitude and approach and, and being – you know, mindful about how you treat your guests. Somebody should hire me as the director of dad jokes for their property. (laughs) You'd probably be a hit if you went around and told all your real lame jokes to all these little kids. I'll just hang out in the lounge. My hours will be from like four to 10 telling jokes strictly. My kid, my kids would probably enjoy your dad jokes. Uh, The clean ones anyway. All right. What's next? So next we had a wish from Paul Hannock. He has a little bit of a twofer, but they're both related. He said, I'd have to go with either A, the local map results making more sense, I see domains and lesser quality websites in the mix when they shouldn't be, or the results being dominated by big brands, or B, a better guide to SEO in the community to achieving map pack placement. And I like this one for a couple reasons. SEO has changed so much in the past year, two, five. I mean, it's just yeah. always changing. But particularly, I would say within the past year and a half to two years with the rollout and continued expansion of Google hotel ads, the travel search result pages now, anytime somebody searches a query that indicates they want to travel, you're going to see these map results. So they take up so much more room, pushes down the organic listings, makes it so much more challenging. But I do agree that they have dominated their hotel and travel search results pages with this big map and the local pack. And there's not... A ton well, of I, great information out there aside from just the general optimize your listing to to know how to perform better here and not to insinuate that we want to game the system by any means but we don't have any data related to this we have no clue how these are showing up aside from it's personalized i mean it's just the wild west out there well they, i mean they've changed this similar to the, they've changed all organic results when you think 10 years ago organic results were based off of links um, five years ago, these map packs were based off of your proximity to the center of whatever city you're looking mm-hmm. at. If people were buying 
businesses to be in the dead center of a city so they would show up in a map pack for whatever the query may be. That's silliness, and they've fixed that since, but it's also left us marketers are in the dark on how do you get in, how do you break that map pack? How do you, how do you find yourself in there outside of you know, Google Hotel ads? You know, and I will say that we have had this issue with some of our clients where there is a lot of spam in the map pack. You know, you'll have, let's say it's an owner that owns an individual unit in a building, somehow gets his unit verified, and now he's competing with the actual owner. You might have a building where there's several owners, and it's just, it creates some confusion in the marketplace, and it's, I don't know what we could do to fix that, but I do agree it's definitely a problem. Yeah, Paul, we're with you on that. <laughs> when we figure out the better guide to uh, <laughs> to SEO for the map packs, we'll, uh, we'll get all over that. Yeah, I mean, the challenge, you know, you, you kind of hit on it. it. The problem is it changes so frequently, like more than anything else, that as soon as you kind of figure out how to leverage whatever it is right now, it's going to be different. Yeah, a year tomorrow. from now, good yeah. luck using that same tactic. Yeah, so I mean, I think you know the the rule of thumb is whatever Google's telling you is best practice, you need to employ that, right? Regardless of whether you're talking about organic ranking, whether you're talking about you know your your paid, how much CPC you're paying based on your your rank and stuff, or these local maps, you've got to just listen to everything Google says and try to do the best you can as authentically as you can. Yeah, I'm trying to find, I'll put it in the show notes. Moz actually released a really good guide to optimizing your Google My Business listing. So I'll put that link in there because it's very thorough with everything oh, yeah, you, you sent that on your page. Oh, yeah, you that yesterday. Yeah, and as a minimum, go claim it, go optimize it, go make sure your business hours are right, your photos are in there, all that stuff. That That's really the most you can do at this point. And then we'll link to that Moz article as well. It had some good nuggets. What's next? All right, next one we have is from Tim Peter. I'm going to piggyback on at uh, Conrad's message and say that I want independents to take a larger share of the market. It's time to win if they do it right. Yeah, I agree. And FYI, Tim Peter, if you guys don't listen to his podcast, it's one of the most thought-provoking, mind-blowing podcasts out there. It's it's short nuggets of information, but he really gets cerebral and digs deep into whatever su- subject he's talking about each week and it's it's rapidly become one of my favorite podcasts it it's tim peter thinks out loud and <clears throat> we'll link to it in the show notes it, it's hard to find like if you actually search for it in the podcast app it, it doesn't always show up so you need to seo that uh podcast yeah so we uh but uh, we'll link to it in the podcast Stuart, have it's, you left him a review because we know how much that helps. Ooh, we'll have him. <laughs> That's a burn, us. man. Man, <laughs> you just burned me live on air. We both um, need reviews. Review us. Yeah, and okay, review now Tim we're Peter. all going to yeah. go we'll review go, Tim yeah, Peter. Yeah, you should review Tim Peter. It's, it's really, really good. It, I mean, it hurts my brain sometimes how smart this guy is, but it's it's really good. All right, Tim, you need a podcast page on your website. Yeah, his, his website is timpeter.com. And this dude's been around in the industry for a while, and he he literally has written everything about every subject. Like if, if you Google any kind of thing you're interested in related to hospitality, there's probably an article he's written about it somewhere. He's, he's a smart guy. But good listen to his podcast. But yeah, so he's following up on uh, on Conrad's comment about independents need to take take control. And I, I really think we're in an industry now where, where it's possible, right? Up until now... We, we've lived in this weird ecosystem where the brands, you know, really controlled a lot of things and then the OTAs controlled a lot of things. And I read a stat the other day that, that blew my mind. But the OTAs make more revenue 
than all the franchise flags. So think about that for a second. And I was looking at it was a 2015 stat, sense. right? The OTAs made about $15 billion. All, all the OTAs combined. Billion with a B. B. In, uh, in 2015. The OTAs, about $15 billion. The franchises, so the Hiltons, the Marriott's, all these, all these corporates, made about $11 billion in the same year. So, so let that sink in for a second, right? But independents have the tools at their disposal now, whether you're using a fuel travel, you know, in their booking engine and their technology stack, or any other agency out there that has technology that you can leverage today, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, but you can really compete. Agencies like Fuel are set up so you as an independent can compete against the OTAs in a meaningful way so you can compete against the flags in a meaningful way. You don't have to rely on these homogenized marketing strategies that, that the Hiltons and the Marriott's of the world have developed because they have a market manager that lives 200 miles from your destination and doesn't really understand the nuances of your specific destination. So I, I honestly think we're going to see a trend towards deflagging. Now, there's, there's a monetary challenge right now because it's really hard to get a loan to build a new property if you don't associate with a flag, like banks are not lending money for folks that are building independence. But once you're an established and you're well-run flag, there's nothing stopping you from deflagging. There's nothing stopping you from going independent. And we've seen really good success stories where when you get rid of that 10, 20, 10, 15, 20% margin that you're giving to the franchise, on top of the OTA fees you're given, right? But if you get rid of that that franchise fee and reinvest half of that into marketing and the other half is bottom line, you can be more successful than you have been as a flag in the past. So I, th- I think we it's probably not 2018, but I think 2019, 2020 are going to be the year of the independence. And I think there's, there's this realization coming that you don't need a flag to be successful anymore. And, and I'm caveat i'm talking more about the u.s market than i am worldwide i think there's nuances when you look at europe and asia pack but for um for america i think that's the case preach (laughs) plant plant the flag and if you need help deflagging we can help you with that shameless plug yeah All What's right. Next? next one's up is from uh, Glenn Hausman. 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 Excuse me, guys. Another good podcast. Guest the No Vacancy. Well. Yeah, he's been on our podcast. I've been on his, and it's the No Vacancy podcast. He does a phenomenal job as well. So, Glenn says, "How about higher occupancy without worrying about decreasing rate to get it?" Hey, hey, am I right? Hey. 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 You, you can fake your TripAdvisor reviews, or you can just do the best job you possibly can. And have awesome TripAdvisor reviews. Trying to drive drive the demand by being the best in the market. Yeah, if, and and really having a good rate strategy as well, right? So that your rates are going up, not down, closer. And, and teaching people that they're going to get the certain discounts at certain times of the year. Like we've gotten to this approach with some of our clients where they have they have designated periods throughout the year where they're running certain campaigns, right? Cyber Monday, New Year's, end of February, those kind of dates where we can really push the off-season rate as aggressively as we want, but maintain a higher rate for the peak season. And we can get a lot of people on the books, and then we can start yielding up instead of yielding down and panicking close to the time. So I think a good rate strategy and a good marketing strategy is kind of the same thing today. But if you do that well, you don't have to worry about dropping rate closer to the thing. And then your ADR is going to be increasing and increasing. 
Yeah, another thing about that, I mean, just like I said earlier, creating yourself um, a differentiating factor, making yourself set apart from the other hotels in your market, doing something that they don't do, doing something better than they do, are it, it, that's that's one way to fill occupancy that, that others can't. Yeah, and be memorable. When people come, it goes back to the stuff that Conrad and, and Tim talked about. It's like if, if you give a great experience, people are going to come back. If you get the repeat business and then you leverage that for word-of-mouth advertising, which is still... It always has been and always will be the number one form of advertising you can do, you're going to be successful. But it, it all hinges on great experience. We ready for the next one? It's a fun one. Sure. Mm-hmm. All right. We got one from More Direct Bookings. He is at direct underscore bookings on Twitter. I'm assuming it's a he. It could be a she. I'm not sure. My Christmas wish is that the wall between revenue management and digital marketing finally comes crashing down and a new realization that it's about driving demand rises like a phoenix from the rubble. Come on, guys. Push those beds together. You know you were made for each other. <laughs> Do it. In a world. Yes. I so, added a so, little so t- to that for Full disclaimer. Jeremiah is a copywriter. Can you tell? I added some you to added that. Some? I totally ad-libbed some of that. Oh, you did? Yeah. I thought you were... Like the part about the it. Phoenix was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Full yeah. <laughs> spice. Yeah. No, that's, that's really good. Yeah. I mean. So any revenue managers out there want to get in bed, let me know. You know. <laughs> easy. Hey. So I have noticed a trend where, you know, we've gone to high tech for a number of years. And, and I've noticed that there's a lot more of the revenue managers go into that than there used to be. And there's a lot more in our clients where the revenue managers and marketing are in, in closer dialogue mm-hmm. in almost to the point where they've merged into one department or one sits above the other, right? And, and I think that's absolutely the right way to go. You cannot market effectively without a good rate strategy. You cannot have a good rate strategy unless the marketing is working. And, and really, if you go back to what we just talked about, where if you have a rate strategy that has these kind of campaigns throughout the year that are predetermined, the rate manager's job is to make sure that you're maximizing the revenue or each one of those campaigns. Marketer's job is to amplify that information, that knowledge to everyone potentially that might want to book. So. You have to be in constant communication. And more importantly, you have to be measuring success using the same KPIs. Like if you're not looking at the same data, the same numbers, there's no way you can be successful and walk together in harmony or share a bed like Misha wants to. So, No, I totally agree. And just to your comment with the revenue managers being more involved, I can even say that with um, some of the newer clients that we've taken on where they're sitting in on our marketing calls, we're collaborating more. And as we just demonstrated earlier with my little rant about trying to buy dishware, pricing is a big piece of the marketing strategy. So that needs to be, you know, everybody needs to be on the same page. Yeah. I mean, price is the, it's probably the, if not, not the, but one of the most That's one of the P's of marketing. Throw back to college. Yeah. And and it's the factors that people care about when they're making a decision, right? Price is, is up there with everything, other, every other decision along with location and, and amenities and reviews and all that stuff. Price is still, if not the, one of the most important things. So. Oh, and, and again, that kind of jumps back to what we said originally. If you're having that big sale of the year and your revenue managers know that's coming up, let us know. Well, they should be dictating it, right? They should be saying, hey, we need to get the, these rates to this point by this time. We need mm-hmm. to get this much occupancy by this time. For sure. You should be meeting daily, sharing yeah. 
every thought that you have should be collaborated between right. and, and it's right in here. It says, push those beds together. You know you're made for each other. It's like 2018, so, get yeah. on Amazon, buy a giant king-size bed, and your meetings are going to be in that bed from now yeah. on. They could do that. <laughs> or, or they could just make sure when they have their marketing meetings that a revenue manager is always present. I mean, yeah. they are part of that team. I don't know they need to actually get in the bed together. Nah, get in bed, but, snuggle. Rude. But uh, <laughs> hey, there's no secrets, right? Yeah, we, we've got a couple of clients now, big clients, that multiple properties where marketing actually falls under the revenue management division. Like the, the, the head of the revenue management division overseas marketing now and, and that seems to be working really well we got others that do it the opposite where the revenue management team falls under marketing so i don't know there's a right or wrong way to do it i just think it's important that there's collaboration you just got to do it you know what i mean yeah just do it you should you should <laughs> trademark that just do it totally <clears throat> yeah go check that out see if it's available all right well so the next one is from todd Harmon, and he asks the question or he shares his wish as a small, non-traditional property, I wish to be able to take better advantage of newer Google products like GHA. Yeah, this is a comment that we've heard from similar non-traditional hotel clients where if you're not a traditional hotel with traditional inventory, it's kind of hard to break into this space. And I don't know if any advancements have been made yet for the vacation rental industry, but I know that was a pain point for some vacation rental companies that they weren't it wasn't necessarily available to them in their inventory yet it, it's really tough because i see it from both sides right because you've got like look look at expedia as an example i know he's talking about google but you know we we deal with folks that that have homeowners and they're like condominiumized properties and they want to be on expedia as the property and they want to be on TripAdvisor as the property but then someone that's renting an, a, a single unit or multiple units from that same property also wants to be on Expedia and also wants to be on TripAdvisor. And there's not really a solution mm -hmm. for that, right? So if I stay with, you know, Pete'sReservations.com who has a unit at my property and I leave a review for that unit, it's going to affect the overall property and, and vice versa. So I feel like none of the tools right now do a good job at differentiating between either unique properties or these condominiumized kind of properties. Yeah. And in this case, you know, in Todd's case, it's not a condominiumized property. It's a very unique uh, group of luxury log cabins. It's not a hotel, Virginia. right? So right, so it makes it very hard to you know, kind of put that into Google's standard right. algorithm. So, so I think you know, I think for for someone like Todd, it's really important. That he has a very unique website that really sells the strengths, and and he uses it leverages the current guests. You know, using a tool like Flip2 would be phenomenal for someone like Todd, right? Because it's going to give real stories from real people that have experienced the property and can really say. This is why I chose it. This is why mm -hmm. I loved it. This is why you should choose it as well. Those are the kind of stories that Todd needs to tell to everyone that may stumble upon his property. Sure. But the problem he's going to always have is how can he get more people to stumble upon his property? Right. Because Google isn't showcasing something that's a little off the beaten path like this. For sure. And I think that's a double-edged sword. I think it can be honestly a little beneficial to not have every single search result related to luxury cabins in this niche area dominated by Google showcasing other properties. I think that's kind of a good thing at this point. But again, to your point, I do think that there are some opportunities for exposure on some other longer tail non-brand things that you might be missing out on. So mm -hmm. and I think the other thing that is really in his benefit is you're not going to find him on really the OTAs, which means you're not going to have to worry so much about competing against them. So on that search results page where you typically see a GHA listing, 
he has more of a commanding presence. Yeah, and he's going to have to rely on on more like traditional media exposure in in terms of trying to get press awareness of his properties, right? He's going to have to rely on like he does, like you know the Fishing Channel and stuff like that, where it's people that are going to be really this the message is going to resonate with them in places that they're already going, getting into magazines, getting onto TV, getting into places to get in front of these people that aren't necessarily looking mm-hmm. for him, but he knows that his property might actually appeal to them if they just knew about it. That That's kind of the approach he's going to need to take. Okay, so we've done a bunch of these questions. We have a bunch more. We had a lot of people submit questions. So if we haven't covered you today, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start sprinkling, sprinkling them into future episodes. So each episode, we're going to say here's so-and-so's wish and we'll kind of discuss it so we don't just continue to discuss all of them we could go on for like another two hours with the, the list we have so or do they want us to why well, of course they do live poll <laughs> in our audience yeah. raise that, your hand is that the new twitter poll the live studio audience yeah anyone raise oppose all right good so yeah so we're going to sprinkle some in in future episodes and but hopefully you took something from this hopefully your wishes are in line with some of these and maybe we we helped you a little bit but Let's continue on. So, should we do the question first? Sure, we have two questions. Oh. Do it. Okay, so the first one was submit via email from Gerald Mitchell, and he asks, Hi, Fuel Team. How would hotel operators want to work with content producers? Um, He goes on to say he fancies himself as a MacGyver type, and he's applying those skills to parts in his life to form um, niche resources, Um, or a niche resource site in the travel market. I'm trying to figure out the best way to work with destination properties that will benefit them. The consumers of my content will cover the cost of my travel habits and earn a full-time living in the long run. Any insight or direction from the team is greatly appreciated. So he's the content producer and he's trying to figure out how to best work with hotels yeah. to share that content. He's trying with to, them. well, and he's trying to become a full time travel, travel blogger. blogger, right? He wants to mm-hmm. monetize that be his career, essentially. Yeah. One thing I would say is look at what the hotels actually need in terms of content if you want to partner with them and work on writing very solid content that is made for their site. I don't know if, if most hotels are looking to have the content posted to their website. But in this case, it sounds like it's going to be on his own site, and he would just need to have strong links over to the yeah, properties. And, and and when I look at it from our perspective, you know, we we with some of our clients have coordinated this in the past, where you know travel writers will come in and, and then go back and write about the property and the experience, and and that'll be comped, not necessarily paid, but they'll they'll get a free mm-hmm. trip out of it. So, but but when we're evaluating the the whether or not that's a good writer or a good investment for our property. It's always about what their reach is. What is their audience? What is their authority? Like, is this does this person really have clout? So I think he's got to really spend some time first before he even thinks about monetizing, treating this like a hobby where he builds up that audience, where he spends time investing in creating quality content, useful content that people are going to appreciate, people are going to want to follow, building up his social profiles. Because any agency or any CBB or DMO or any property, they're going to look at that first. They're not going to just let any, you know, Pete'sBlog.com that's had two articles come and stay at the property and pay them or, or comp them. That's just not how it works. And there's a lot of people competing in this space now. There's a lot of people. Tons we get a lot of, of inquiries saying, hey, we'll come stay at your property and, and write about it for free. So you've really got to get your credentials in place. And the way you do that is by working hard, grafting, 
creating great content, creating a great audience, then and only then can you really start thinking about monetizing it. Yeah, creating that domain authority, you know, building building links to your own blog, making yourself worthwhile is is step one in this whole process. Once you have that authority and that clout that people need in terms of say link building, that, that sets you it sets you apart from Joe Schmo's blog. If you have a lot of domain authority, I'm way more likely to let you come guest post with me. That's well, it's also an ROAS perspective too. I mean, I don't know that bloggers typically look at things from that perspective, but if I'm a hotelier and I'm having you come stay at my property for a couple of days, use my facilities, there's a a both a, a hard cost and you know a retail cost for what that's going to take. Yeah, say it costs you a thousand dollars. You need yeah. to get at least a thousand dollars worth of exposure out right. of that. I, I want to make post. sure that if, if if a blogger came to me saying this is the return on ad spend, more or less, or return on investment that you can expect from my work, even if they don't have a phenomenal domain authority, at least know that they're thinking from the right perspective. Well, what's their reach? How many people are they really reaching? And then what is that worth to you? I yeah. think that's really where, where you go with yeah, it. Yeah, and I think you can look at it from a couple of perspectives. You're, you're talking about the technical side, the value of an inbound link and, and the exposure on their blog. But, but also, what other channels does that get distributed to? So if if I were him, I would probably look at freelance writing for other magazines as well and like travel websites, travel magazines, and try to get them to pay me. And then you've got bigger distribution so that more hotels are more likely to want to use you because they're going to get exposure not just on your website and get that link, but they're also going to get in that magazine as well. Well, I have a few thoughts on this. First of all, you know, I think that understanding to your point, you know, you Phil, you mentioned several technical things. I think you need to really figure out and focus on what actually is important to hotels. So is it, you know, the link that's going to come out of this? There's a lot of things that need to happen in that process to make it white hat. So acknowledging that, you know, this was a free stay. These opinions are my own, that kind of thing. Like you need to know how to do it so that it's going to be white hat. It's not going to be shady. You're not getting a, a free trip for a free link. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of how it works, but not really how it works. Um, and also understanding the other metrics that you're going to look at. And a lot of times, particularly with destination properties, the properties you're probably going to want to go to and approach since you're using this as more of a lifestyle fun thing. A lot of those do work with agencies, whether it's a marketing agency or a PR agency, or they have a marketing department in house. So you're going to need to know how to approach them. You can't just, you know, email the general manager of a property and say, Hey, I want to write an article about you. If you want to let me stay like, there's definitely a process there. You need to know how to work with the right people, who to approach and then what metrics matter to them. So to Stuart's point, looking at your social channels, how many followers you have, you know, looking at the domain authority of your website, like what's it going to mean for us? If you come to write about us, like why should we care about your pitch? Yeah. That all that stuff is definitely worthwhile putting in your outreach email. If you're trying to write for somebody, Go ahead and let them know out of the gate that you're worth talking to. Otherwise, you just get sent to the trash like every other email that they've got this week. Yeah, I mean, that's an important point. I think understanding that we as marketers for hotels get bombarded, like bombarded. There are so many emails we get soliciting this kind of stuff. It is so ultra competitive. You've got to differentiate and you've got to provide value. Otherwise, it's going to be tough to 
create a full-time income. From and, you know, I'll add on top of that, you know, I do agree that this is definitely a long play. It's going to take years and years and years for your website to build enough authority to essentially demand a free stay out of it. Cause you're going to have to do this for free for a long time before you can monetize it. There's no question about it, but also providing data to pass along to people in the long term. So if you have a case study about this awesome article or guide or whatever that you wrote, here's what they got out of it. That's something that I would look at as a marketer and say, hey, wow, they had great success with this. So if you can showcase, you know, a case study or previous successes that you've had with what you can provide, I think that's going to be the most compelling piece that you can pass yeah, stay, along. Yeah, stay in contact with the people you wrote for and find and use, out. Little things yeah, like use their data links, if they you know, want to give working it to you. With, if yeah. they have an analytics team or whatever, using a campaign ID for your blog, which is something that our properties who work with these type of bloggers do so they can see the value over time of what they're providing. Yeah, I think hopefully that helped. So what's our second question? Our second question, we are removing the cone of shame. This was submit <laughs> this like been so, he's been so patient. six weeks ago. So sorry. From Scott on Twitter, he asks, what online courses, educational platforms, or formal education courses would you suggest for someone wanting to learn data analytics or marketing specifically for the hotel industry? And I'm so disheartened that our analytics director <laughs> yeah, could not be like, here. Wouldn't it be great if Melissa was on this but episode But she does have some suggestions. Yeah, she so she wrote on. up some notes, and if we flub it completely, she'll, she'll I'm sure, chime in next episode. Yeah, so she some of her notes were that, um, and you can find all these in the show notes, Scott, and I'll try to remember to tweet you after we um, post the episodes that you can go and see them. But some of her general notes were that general analytics principles apply to basically every industry. There are very few hotel-specific venues out there for this information. Two conferences that you might be interested in. There's one from Eye for Travel, which they do have some great content on their site, and there's a link in here as well. And then the Adobe, Adobe Digital Marketing Conference, which I know Melissa has been to several times and speaks very highly of it. And then she also has some of her go-to resources for general analytics information. This includes several um, hashtags on Twitter. I know I personally use this a lot for SEO and PPC. It can actually work and provide some great data. There's LinkedIn, Google Analytics groups. There are... Um, and then she lists a few specific blogs, um, Lunametrics blog, Analytics Demystified blog, um, Avinash, we were trying to figure out how to say his name, but he has a great analytics blog. Occam's Razor. And I'll throw in also, there are, I agree with her that a lot of these principles are pretty standard, like if you, you know, know how to look at an e-commerce website from any industry, you can apply that to travel. Um, Google Analytics does have certifications that you can do that are free. It's a good starting point. And then I will toot our own horn and I say that we will link to some of our analytics specific podcasts and blogs in here as well, because we do happen to have some that are pretty specific to the travel industry. Yeah, I think that's pretty comprehensive. Go look at the show notes at episode 73. Uh, if you go to fueltravel.com slash podcast, click on episode 73. We'll have all those links that they, they describe there. But I think, you know, for me, I think following certain the, some of the blogs that she listed and then more importantly, you're going to have unique questions that only pertain to you that aren't written somewhere on the Internet already, right? Twitter is the best resource out there for finding the answers. And if you use the appropriate hashtags, which we'll put in the comments, that's how, you know, Melissa, I would say, I would put her toe to toe with any analytics person in the industry. I think she has a, the ability to diagnose problems, to understand implementation. 
better than anyone I've ever seen in the industry. And a lot of that knowledge has come from her doing research via Twitter and asking people questions and, and teaching herself over time through trial and error and, and you know, leveraging our, our development team and stuff like that. But Twitter, I, I would say, by far is one of the best mm-hmm. resources. I mean, that's on the analytics side for sure. Um, I know they do SEO chat, PPC chat on a weekly basis. So if you have any type of questions on those lines, mm-hmm. go ahead and go ahead and search those hashtags as well. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, you can always email us or Twitter yeah. us and we'll any try questions. To answer questions as well. And hopefully it'll take less than six weeks next time <laughs> that you ask a question. We got a little derailed. Sorry, Scott. We, we did. Scott, we feel really bad. Hey, if you if you want to DM us your address, we'll send you some uh, fuel. Slide right some, on in. Some, some fuel swag. How about that? <laughs> wow. This Ooh, pay him off. Giveaways. Yeah. I feel bad, man. I, I mean, he's followed up patiently several times. He has. And, was and not we kept just meaning that. to do it, but we just yeah. kept getting derailed. It's not just that. Okay. He also left us an amazing review on Ooh, iTunes. Oh, this is true. Oh. King, you're the I'm king blushing. of segues today. Yes, I yeah, am. So we, we <clears throat> preach and preach and preach to leave reviews. And if you have not done it, you should absolutely do it. You go to the podcast app on I, on uh, your iPhone. You click on uh, library. You click on shows. And we are going to be in alphabetical order. We're going to be under the letter F for fuel. You can see our round logo there. You click on that and scroll down. You'll see the reviews that we already have. And then right there is a link that says write a review. And you can click on five stars and then just type in your little message, which is what Scott did <laughs> and someone else did. So we're going to read those out like we do all our reviews. And we got like we hadn't had any since I, I want to say like May. We hadn't had any. Should and we, we incentivize our reviews with fuel Maybe swag? Maybe get some yeah. swag. Who knows? Yeah. Scott's going to get yeah. swag because he left a review. But we hadn't had any since May, and then we get like two within two days right. in December. It was bananas. Yeah. Do you want to hear what Scott had to say? Yeah. First of all, headline, must listen for all business industries. This podcast reveals the latest hospita- hospitality trends, primarily related to marketing. Yes, I'm highly interested in the hospitality hotel airline industry, but this podcast is a must for anyone desiring to grow in any industry. Fuel Travel will educate and challenge you. Allow their hospitality marketing insights to transfer to your career. Ask yourself how much this podcast can apply to your career growth regardless of your industry. Thank you so much. Stuart, Pete, Misha, and Melissa. Oh, you were burned, Phil. You're not on the show enough, Hey, I, I still say thank you, Scott. There you go. So that's good. Great review. Scott. That is. Thanks, buddy. Textbook. So. Here, here. Yes. And then right after Scott left a review, we got another review from Wine and Waves Resort, Ooh. which is Misha's new Shout favorite Shout out if you need a guest blogger. Yeah. <laughs> What's so. your domain authority, Misha? Yeah. So Wine and Waves Resort says, better than grad school. Five-star review. The fuel hotel, the fuel, I can't talk today. This is why you guys make me read these. The Fuel Hotel <laughs> Marketing Podcast has taught me so much in, in a short time. Their podcast covers the gamut from basic hospitality every innkeeper should remember to the techie analytics that modern hotel management staff need to know to stay competitive in the age of Airbnb and Expedia. Please keep sharing your experiences and knowledge in the fun format you have developed. I look forward to every episode and have never been disappointed until today until so i tried to read fumble your review yeah that's great thank <laughs> no, you thank so you much so much that's a great phenomenal and i don't know if this is a quinky dink or not but in december we broke our record for the most downloads as well so we had two reviews and broke our record it was a very Woo-hoo! good december so 
Thank you for everyone that's listening. And please, if you feel so inclined, if you've ever gotten a little nugget of information that's been valuable to you from this show, then please go leave a review. It would make our day and we will read it out on the show. Hey, did you uh, hear about the Mexican magician? <laughs> I didn't hear about the Mexican magician. Yeah, he uh, told the audience he would disappear on the count of three. And he said, uno, dos, and then poof, he disappeared without a trace. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Lord. Thank you for that, Misha. Are you available for bar mitzvahs and weddings? And I stuff? sure am. Yeah. Uh, you might get hired. Social calendar is... Pretty wide open. Pretty wide open. <laughs> nice. Her dad joke authority is yeah. the roof. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Her new she's, special's she's, coming out, yeah. one mic and dad jokes. Yeah, you should contact Netflix and see if they'll do it like a Misha oh, one-out special. God. Well, there's there's room now since Louis C.K. is no longer oh, hey. Oh, hey, he's too still soon. on there. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they've removed it. No, he's still there. Mm. Scoot mm. over. <laughs> Scoot over, Louis. There's a more inappropriate person to come on. In My dad looks well, very clean. Mm, the ones that we air are pretty clean. Fair. The ones you share in the Fair. office, mm, not so much. Those are like granddad jokes. We rate those down. <laughs> You're old and you just don't care. <laughs> this is true. This is very true. Well, guys, this was a, been a fun episode. I, I'm looking forward to sprinkling in some more of the um, holiday wishes from our audience. And if you have your wishes that you'd like to share with us, and we'll read them out on the show as well, you can hit us up on Twitter at Fuel Travel. And Pete, where can they find you on the Twitters? I'm on Twitter as well, at PDMAO, P-D-I-M-A-I-O. And Phil? You can find me on Twitter at P-F-O-R-I-S-K-A. And Misha? You can find me on Twitter at Marketing Misha. That is at Marketing M-E-I-S-H-A. Are you ever going to give them your non-work Twitter account out on the show? I mean, people can find it. They just search for Misha Bokiki. Yeah, it's not like there's a ton of them out there. Are there any others? I feel like we've talked about this. I'm like 99.9% sure I'm the only person on the planet with my name. Like my full name. Probably my first name and last name, but yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, if you know a Misha Bokiki other than this one, Yeah, if you're another Misha Bokiki, let me know. Yeah. And you can find me at Stuart Butler, S-T-U-A-R-T-B-U-T-L-E-R. Again, you can find us collectively at Fuel Travel. You can find the notes to this show at fueltravel.com slash podcast. Click on episode 73. We'll have all those links and all the quotes and questions and whatnot there. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I've just been diagnosed as colorblind. It certainly has come out of the purple. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs>